Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We are in a brand new year. And as I mentioned to you earlier, um, your pastors refuse to make a move apart from the leading of the Holy Spirit. Um, If you call All Nations Aurora home, you're gonna need to write these next few pieces of information down. The Lord has spoken to us about what our prophetic theme for the year 2023 is. Last year, do you all remember what the theme was? The Genesis year. And what that entailed was God was going to take areas of your life that were void and without form, and he was going to take and make something beautiful out of it. And the testimonies reflect that he honored his word. Businesses were birthed. Ministry gifts came back to life. Relationships were, people got whole houses. I ain't gonna name no names. People got whole buildings given to them for free. Because God's word is true. When he speaks, you should listen. When he gives instructions, you should follow. And so that is what we did in 2022. Uh, The instructions have changed for this year. In 2023, the Lord has said for all nations of war and everybody attached to it, it's the year of cultivation. You should write that down. 2023 is the year of cultivation. That word cultivation is interesting. Here's what you have to know from the agricultural lens, what it means to cultivate. See, here's the thing. If you have some land, some property, a garden, and you take the time to plant some seeds and water some seeds and and give the seeds some sunlight, things will grow. Fruit will bear. But if you do not go back and cultivate that area, the place that was once fruitful will begin to die. The place that was once healthy will begin to deteriorate and go in the wrong direction. So the Lord has told us that this year for all of us is going to be a year of cultivation. This is rooted in this scripture. You should write this down, Genesis 2 and 15. And it reads, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. There's a couple of important pieces of information that you should see in this text. Number one, God placed the man. The man didn't randomly show up. 
The man had no say so in where he was placed. God placed the man in the garden. So not only was God in charge of the placement, but God was also in charge of the purpose. Because the second half of the scripture says that the reason God placed the man in the garden was to tend and watch over it. So it was God's decision where the man was placed and it was God's decision for the purpose that would manifest in that place. God has not changed his mind. <laughs> this is still the mission. God has still placed you and God has still purposed you. Your job is to tend and watch over the areas that he has placed you in. We're going to spend all year, everything that we do this year, not just the sermon series, but we got life groups coming. You'll find out more about that soon. Not just life, but we got corporate prayer coming. You'll find out more about that soon. All the things that we do when we go out into the community, it's all pointing to the year of cultivation. Why? Because you have a purpose. And if you are not cultivating the soil of your heart, you will begin to be unfruitful. There are four areas, key areas, particular areas that God is going to begin to cultivate in us, all nations. Number one is character. You can't be cursing people out in traffic and calling yourself Christian. You can't be the messiest one in the comment section. Tagging yourself in all nations of war posts. Mm -mm. Leave us out of it. Your character is the mental and moral qualities that are distinctive to you. And God has a standard for the character of his sons and his daughters. That means you can't just do anything you want to do, how you want to do it. And so God's going to be cultivating your character this year. Say character. Your second area is your Christianity. Some of y'all just go to church because you always went to church. You don't even know why you're here. God's not cool with that. Why? Because he didn't create robots. He created children. And he wants you to not just be a part of this faith. He wants you to understand why you're a part of this faith. Why? Because his goal is multiplication. And if you can't explain why you up in here, you are of no value to the kingdom agenda. If you're just here to have a time, quote unquote, if all you can say is we had a time, you are of no value. Because you can't bring the lost in talking about you had a time. Because they're going to be like, I had a time too at the club. Why your time different better than my time? 
I don't know, but God was there. And they're gonna be like, but Shorty was there. We had a time though. Jesus is coming for your Christianity this year. <laughs> We're going to know some things about the faith that we have given our lives to. Say Christianity. Number three is community. Community is the makeup and the quality behind the relationships <coughs> that we subject ourselves to. Community is important because your God is a community. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Three distinct persons all in operation at the same time. Community. How you think that God is a community, but you get to live this life in isolation. How does that match up? It doesn't. Let me help you. And so God is coming for your community. He's going to cultivate the types of people that are in your life. The quality of your relationships. There's a reason you attract only crazy people. Because you crazy. <laughs> Say community. Number four is consistency. Ah. Now you got to understand something. I, I was confused. Because this could have went one of two ways. I don't believe that he is saying your consistency as in your how many times you show up to church or how many times you do this or the other. Consistency also means what you're made of, your firmness, your ability to be unwavering, <laughs> your assuredness about who you are and whose you are. God has decided that the year 2023 will be the year of cultivation and with specificity in these four areas. So if this is your home, this is something you need to now pray into. I'm sorry, I'm in the way. Can y'all see now? My co-pastor said I'm all in the way. So y'all can take y'all pictures. Y'all ain't want me in y'all pictures and y'all screenshots? Is that better? It's a nice slide, ain't it? Okay. <laughs> y'all got it? We good? All right. Thank you, co-pastor. Y'all thank y'all, co-pastor, for telling me to get out of the way. <laughs> so this is, this is what we're doing all year. This is what we're doing all year. Um, so... We really believe that if you give us a year, God is going to do something amazing in your life. Like, when we say give us a year, like, give your all to it, though. Like, God will honor what he's decided to do if you're all in. So, so come on Sundays. When life groups start, show up, lead one, be a part of one, get in community. When we start to have prayer services, show up, pray. If we call a corporate fast, fast. Get on the dream team, serve, offer your gifts to the Lord. Just one year, that's, that's it. Just decide on January 1st, I'm gonna give the Lord this year. I'm gonna be all in 
and let's just see how things turn out. Let's just see what the Lord does. Let's just see how our life changes as a result of us deciding, let's just give him this year. That's all we're asking for. We know what the Lord is gonna do, we just want you to be able to see it. So we're gonna start this year-long journey with a brand new sermon series starting today that we are calling Uphill Habits. Uphill Habits. Um, habits are important <laughs> um, because habits are something that are a part of our lives, whether we consciously recognize it or not. Um, said another way, we are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do. Habits are the small decisions and the actions you perform every single day. We all have them. Whether we are aware of what those habits are or not, they're present. As a matter of fact, there's research from Duke University that says habits account for about 40% of our behaviors on any given day. That means almost half of our behavior every single day is habitual. We don't think about it, we just do it. So one way to look at that is that we form habits and then our habits form us. Now, why did we call it uphill habits? Well, the thing about it is it, there, there's kind of two meanings. Uphill, if you ever think about it, I talked about it, I was in the military one time and we used to do these things called ruck marches. And we had these rucksacks and we had to put all this weight in it. And then we had to go on these marches for miles and miles and miles. And the land was never just flat. They were full of ups and downs, hills, sometimes mountains. And when we got to the point when we were going uphill, they said, listen, in order to make the most of this and avoid injury to your knees and to your shins, you got to lean into it when you're going uphill. And so the reason that this is called uphill habits is you're going to have to lean into the habits that we're gonna be sharing with you over the next couple of weeks. It's also an uphill habit because all of these point to God. All of the things that we're about to ask you to do, we're gonna ask you to do it because they all point to God. And, and quite frankly, um, they will be challenging. Can I just be honest up front? They will be challenging, but they will be doable. Your life today is essentially the sum of your habits. You gotta understand that. And that's why we have to have this conversation up front. Everything about your life is the result or the product of the habits that you engage in on a regular basis. How in shape or out of shape you are, it's a result of your habits. And how happy or unhappy you are. It's a result of your habits. How close or, or distant you are from your heavenly father right now. It's the result of your habits. 
What you repeatedly do, i.e. what you spend time thinking about and doing each day, ultimately forms the person that you are. That's why these 24 hours that we get are important because they're molding and shaping and forming who we are. Here's the thing though, most people have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. Like we, we came into this new year with hopes of a closer relationship with the Lord, uh, uh, hopes of financial breakthrough, hopes that this is the year I finally lose them 20 pounds. So like we're, we're sending them to the Lord, like we're putting our faith like, Lord, this is, I'm ready, I'm, 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 I'm but our habits don't match. <laughs> My wife and I, we were talking the other day about, you know, what we want to accomplish in this new year. And man, I thought about it for two seconds. She was like, so what's your, what's your goals uh, <laughs> for this year? And I thought about it for a couple seconds. I was like, you know what? Same ones I had last year. I mean, I ain't get none of them boys done. I'm gonna just keep it real with y'all. See, I had, I had some goals, like getting all nations aurora off the ground and I was able to, 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 to interact with something, but, but I had some ones that were just personal, that was just about me. But I put all my energy over here that I ain't really get to the, to, to the talent list. You know what I mean? I'm gonna just be honest, because y'all won't. <laughs> so I was like, really, I was like, you know what? My list is like pretty much the same. Because although I had these hopes, I didn't have the habits to lead to the accomplishment my habits were downhill. My hopes were uphill, but my habits were downhill because I chose, and you chose, to do the things that are easier, the things that we're used to, the things that we're accustomed to. We didn't really change anything habit-wise, and therefore our results didn't change. Therefore, I showed up to January 1, 2023 with the same list. Is it just me? Sure it is, all right, here's the thing. What can be the difference though this time? How do, how, do, how do we switch this around? How do we, instead of having these downhill habits, have some, have some uphill habits so that it matches our uphill hopes? Well, I think we have to have an understanding of why habits are important for us as believers. Not just as any old body, but remember you, you, you raised the banner of Christianity. You said that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You said that you about this life, this faith, this walk. Well, then you have to be about his standards too. And we cannot do anything in this way, in this fashion for ourselves. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm a, I'm a reader. I read a lot. And if you are a reader and if you read any self-help book, most of them are all the exact same, just with different stories in them. And they all tell you to search within yourself to find your strength, to accomplish the things that you need to accomplish. The problem is it's pointing to you. 
as your strength, as your source, as your sufficiency, as your reason why you owe it to yourself to be the man or the woman that reaches their maximum potential. That's foolishness to the believer, though, because everything that we do, including the habits that we build, have to give glory to God. (laughs) Y'all got quiet. So, so the desire for a stronger marriage is cool as long as, as it's rooted in, I want my marriage to give God glory. The desire for financial well-being is cool if it's rooted in, I want to be able to give to God's kingdom even more. Ah, let me go Bible for you. Here's what you got to remember, Proverbs 1 and 7. Here's what you're missing when you're setting your goals and habits and aspirations. The fear of the Lord. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Proverbs 1 and 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fear implies respect and awe at all times. So the reason that we create new habits is because of our respect and our awe for God. If you don't tie your New Year's resolutions to your fear of the Lord, they will fail by February 1st. Promise you. But you have to acknowledge that everything, including knowledge and wisdom, comes from your total dependence on God. You should write down in your notes, I am totally dependent on God. Don't you ever, 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 ever forget that you are totally dependent on God. The fear of the Lord leads people toward humility and away from pride. So we don't Start new health and fitness goals to get beach ready. We do it because we consider our bodies a temple. And if we're in better health, we can do more work physically and naturally for the kingdom of God. You see the difference? Now, if you look nice at the beach, that's just a byproduct. But the heart of the matter is my fear of the Lord. I want him to get the glory out of my life. Fear of the Lord recognizes God's central place in our world and in our lives. We have to, listen, we have to pursue productivity instead of just being busy. Some of us have have shown up into a new year with a whole list of things that we're gonna do differently and better. I'm gonna read a book a week. I'm gonna eat a salad a day. 
right? I'm going to run a mile every single day, right? I'm going to church every Sunday. Now, keep that one. Keep that one. I'm, I'm going to show up to, I'm going to pray every morning. I'm going to read my Bible every day. And you just got this list of things to, to keep you busy. Uh, a few days back, we, we got a new uh, security system installed at our house. And, and the guy, he came and he did his thing and, and he got done. And he got done, I guess, a little quicker than he anticipated. And so he was like, yo, I need a favor. I was like, yo, what's up? He was like, I can't leave. <laughs> he was like, I'm done, but I can't leave. I'm like, well, why not? If you done, you should leave. He was like, here's the thing. They got, they got these trackers on my truck. So you were my last job of the day. And if, and if they can monitor my truck leaving, I'll be off the clock. Because they're tracking my productivity. Why, why would a company do that? So he went on to explain, he was like, I just, can I just keep my truck outside? I'm gonna be in the truck, now to his credit, he said, I'm gonna be watching some, some um, what do you call that? Uh, some trainings on, on, the, on, the, on his iPad for, for, for his job. He was like, but the truck can't leave. I'm going to be doing work, but I'm going to be outside. Is that all right? I was like, do you think? Because here's what you got to understand. In the business world, productivity affects the bottom line. So they, they take the time to outfit these trucks with trackers because as long as you're being productive, then the bottom line of my company is headed in the right direction. But if you get to a place to where you're no longer productive, then that detrimentally affects the bottom line of our company. They were being tracked. Can I help you, kingdom citizen? Your productivity is being tracked by the kingdom of God. Because your productivity or the lack thereof affects the bottom line of the kingdom. Because we got kingdom business that we're supposed to be doing as well. But a lot of us, we just doing things to be busy, but we're not productive. In our, in our always on world, it seems like we're always just, just have to be on and, and then that causes a lot of pressure for us to look busy. A lot of y'all be at y'all jobs looking busy. Yep, there it is. Y'all just testified with your laughter. But you're looking busy at all times. You're, you're, you're moving from task to task, but you're never really making any real, real progress. Moving from task to task is not productive. It's just, it's just busy because being productive is less about always having something to do and more about making sure that what you're doing is propelling you toward a goal. Like, why are you doing that? 
Why are you doing that particular task? Does it lead to the overall achievement of a goal or does it just lead to you looking as though you're doing something? Busy people stay busy for the sake of it. Productive people work with, here it is, purpose. <laughs> what you're doing has a purpose. Now, let's look at productivity from a biblical standpoint, because we have to think about productivity biblically, because we're kingdom citizens. We're followers of Jesus Christ. Being productive from a biblical perspective is rooted in the two great commands. What, what's the two great commands? Do y'all remember? Jesus was trying uh, to kind of do his thing, and people was asking him questions. He was the new hot preacher on the scene, and they was like, all right, yo, rabbi, what? You know, Moses had all these laws and rules and regulations. Of all these hundreds of commandments, which one is the greatest? And in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, he responded and he said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So that's number one. Number two, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so how do I know if I'm being productive versus just being busy? Is what you're doing leading you to love God and love people? Yeah. Is what you're doing leading you to love God and love people? Or is it just leading you to you? And so as we move forward in this journey, you need to know today's message. That was just the warm up. Today's message is called First Things First. Because it's important to God what happens with your first assist. The things that you do first matter. They have purpose. So God is going to be looking at you, judging whether or not you're being productive, starting with how you are handling the first. Now, as we move on this journey, there are three things that you'll need to take this journey. Three things. The first one is hope for the future. You're going to need hope for the future. It's so easy, again, for us to be consumed and inundated with all of our responsibilities in the present, that it clouds our ability to have hope for the future. We're so aware of the obstacles that are in our lives right now, the challenges that we're facing currently, that it limits how hopeful we are about the ability for our future to change. There was an example of this in the book of John there was a woman, she was a Samaritan, and she encountered Jesus. And, and the Bible says that she was surprised that Jesus was talking to her. Why? Because there were some cultural rules in place. And one of them was the men didn't talk to the women. Like if I didn't have a relationship with you, familial, like family or otherwise, 
men didn't talk to women, right? So there was, there, there was gender differences. But not only that, Jesus was Jewish and this woman was Samaritan and Jews and Samaritans did not conversate. So then there was racial differences. And despite those gender differences and despite those racial differences, Jesus, he said, hey, can you hook me up with some water? Can you like bring me up some water from that well? So in verse nine of John four, the, the, the woman is like, yeah, why you, you know, Jews and you know, like what? Like what's like, how, why are you asking me for water? And then Jesus replied in verse 10, John 4, 10, it says, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you. If you have a real Bible, you should underline, if you only knew the gift God has for you. Why is this important? Because she was too preoccupied with the current challenges in her life. You're not supposed to talk to me because I'm a woman and you're a man. You're not supposed to talk to me because I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew. And because she was so blinded by current obstacles, she almost missed Jesus. She was encountering Jesus, but her current challenges clouded her ability to recognize that she was in the presence of God. So it's the same challenge to you. In order for you to have hope for the future, it would help if you knew the gift God has for you. Here's a rhetorical question. You can answer it in your heart. Do you think God only had a gift for the Samaritan woman? Or does he have a gift for you too? And if he has a gift for you too, that should allow your heart to have hope for the future. Or let's look at Jeremiah 29, 11, a very, 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 very familiar passage of scripture. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. Come on, when you hear that, you shout. You feel good. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. But here's what you don't know. Jeremiah was talking to slaves. This prophecy from Jeremiah came while the Jews were in captivity. Things wasn't all good. And he's standing up there talking about, I know the plans I have for you. Plans of good and not desire. This feels pretty disastrous. This slavery sure don't feel hopeful. In these moments, you have to decide, is my present circumstances bigger than my hope for the future? It's only bigger than your hope for the future if your hope is not rooted in God. If God can communicate to his people that are currently enslaved and in captivity that he has a plan for them, my brothers, my sisters, can I help you to understand that no matter what you're currently surrounded by, what challenges you're trying to overcome, he has a plan for you. He has plans 
for good, not for disaster, to give you, yes, you, a future and a hope. Second thing you're going to need for this journey is repentance from the past. Some of us shackle ourselves to the past, and it hinders us from being able to move forward. Now, repentance is one of those words that you kind of heard all your life in church, but you're not really sure. Like, what is that, huh? Simply put, repentance is I was once going this way, and I have decided I'm no longer going to go that way. I'm going to turn and go in a different direction. In order for you to develop these new uphill habits, you have to turn and go in another direction. You can't keep going that way and expecting the results to be different. You have to repent, stop, turn around, go in another direction to never return to this way again. Have you ever been um, in, in any type of uh, a recovery program or you know people that have been in any type of, of recovery program? They have this quite often, this, this, this um, analogy that they use called the five chapters of my life story. Can I share it with you? The five chapters of my life story. Chapter number one of my life story is I was walking down the street and there was a hole in the ground and I fell into that hole. And then I turned the page into to, to chapter number two of my life. I was walking down the street. There was a hole in the ground and I, I fell into that hole and it took a long time for me to get out. And then I turned the page and then chapter number three, I was walking down the street. There was a hole in the ground, but this time I kind of looked to see, but I lost my footing and I fell into that same hole in the ground and it took me a long time to get out. And in chapter four, I was walking down the street and there was a hole in the ground and I decided to kind of go around the hole and continue down the street. And then you get to chapter five of the story of my life and it reads, I decided to walk down a different street. All four chapters were failures, the first four. Even the one that, that kind of walked around, it's, it's tempting to say, well, I, I didn't go all the way, kind of just went around it. The problem is it's just as dangerous being in the environment of the hole because one wrong move, you're in the hole. Repentance is deciding I'm going down a completely different street this time. This time won't be the same as any other chapter in my life because in this chapter, I'm going down a completely different street. We can see this in Philippians 3 and 3. My dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. This is Paul. This is like resume deep Paul, like got all the bells and whistles, Paul. He said, I ain't achieved what y'all think I've achieved. I focus on this one thing, though, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. The past is so tempting to stare at, 
because it's what you know. This is what happened. This is how I failed over and over again. This is how they failed over and over again. This is how they hurt me. This is how I've fallen short. If I keep staring at that, I don't have the ability to see that there's a hope. That there's something greater that lies ahead because I'm so busy looking in the rearview mirror. Have you ever tried to go on a journey in your car staring in the rearview mirror? You won't make it. You will crash. You will hurt yourself. Here it is. You have the chance of hurting others. Because you're so locked in to what is behind you. And Paul is challenging us in this scripture to look at what's ahead. What, what's behind him? He's saying, yo, I was a Pharisee. I studied with the best. I know Greek. I know Hebrew. I talked to Jesus face to face. But I ain't worried about what's behind me. I'm too busy focused on what is in front of me to give energy to what's behind me. In 2023, stop giving energy to what's behind you and focus on what is in front of you. Number three, you have to have the formation of uphill habits. This is going to be the scripture that roots the entire series. And I give, I give this to you in the message version, Romans 12 and 2. Fix your attention on God. This year, fix your attention on God. Focus on the king. Don't you focus on him. Don't you focus on her. Fix your attention on God. Why? You'll be changed from the inside out if you do. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. All this, what he's about to do, cultivating you all year, is to bring the best out of you. Developing well-formed maturity in you. He wants to mature you. He doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to mature you. So habit number one, here it is. Focus on what I do first. This is the first habit in this series. Focus on what I do first. Because what I do first matters. So where do I start? You start by putting God first. Hmm. Come on, Christian. Come on, Christian soldier. Don't put you first. Don't put them first. Don't put it first. Put God first. Can I take it deeper? Can I take it just a little bit deeper? I don't want to offend you, but I do. If God is in your life, but he's not in the first priority, God is not in your life. God doesn't share his glory. God doesn't share 
the priority seat. God doesn't share. He's a jealous God. Make God your priority. Do you know what the first four words in your Bible are? It's in Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God. This, these first four words should be your life mantra. In everything you do, before you do it, in the beginning, God. Your marriage, in the beginning. God, I need God to be first in my marriage. Before you set that budget, I need God to be first in my finances. Before you fill out that job application, I need God to be first in my vocation. I need God to be first in my parenting. Fill in the blank. I need, in the beginning of that thing, God to be there. I need to not do nothing else unless God has priority inside of it, leading it, helping me to do it. In the beginning, God, before you make any more decisions, put God at the beginning of it. In the beginning, God, those first four words ain't there on accident. Your last statement in your Bible is it is finished. But this Bible starts with in the beginning, God. So everything you start, please don't start that business without God being in the beginning of it. Please don't start that new relationship without God being in the beginning of it. In the beginning, God. Here's another example in Exodus 20, 1 through 3. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. He's saying, I rescued you. And as a result, you must not have any other God but me. I told you he was jealous. He's saying, as a result of me setting you free, I'm number one. Deal? Isn't that the least we can do? Did you forget how messed up and bound and chained and shackled and stuck and lost you were? He showed up and rescued you and he said, put me first. Number two, give God the first of everything. Give God the first of everything. A lot of times we teach the principle of first fruits strictly in the financial sense. Church manipulates this to draw money up out of people. We don't do that here. Not only is the first fruits not just financial, it, it has financial implications, but it's so much bigger than that. A tithe is not just the first 10% of your, your salary or, or, your, or your revenue or anything like that. Leviticus 27 and 10 says a tithe of everything. God has an expectation of a tithe of everything. So he wants not just your first 10% of your, he wants your first 10% of your thoughts. He wants the first 10% of your energy. He wants the first fruits of your household, the relationships therein, your friendships. <laughs> he wants a tithe of everything. So you have to give 
God, the first of everything. Remember, I said it's an uphill habit. <laughs> it points to God and it's challenging. You got to lean into it or you're going to hurt yourself. But God has a standard and he wants a tithe of everything that you have. Why? Deuteronomy 14 and 23. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first place in your life. First place. Everybody say first place. place. That's what God wants. He wants first place. So let's talk practically. How can we walk this out? Well, the first thing is you have to decide I'm going to give God the first of my year. I'm going to give God the first of my year. Here we are, January 1, 2023. How do I give God the first of my year? Why don't you just lock in spiritually for the month of January? Just say, like, instead of trying to do this whole little 12, like, why don't you lock in, decide that I'm going to lock in the month of January. Like, I'm going to go hard spiritually for the first of January, because I want to give God the first of my year. You can just say, man, I'm going to pray every morning in January. I might not get every day of the year. There may be some days I'm in, but the month of January, yo, I'm praying. I'm waking up and I'm praying. Oh, I'm, I'm going to write down a verse a day and try to remember it. But just the month of January, I'm going to give God the first of my year. Every morning, I'm going to, I'm going to pull out a a notebook or, or, or a stack of index cards and I'm going to write out a verse and I'm going I'm to try my best to meditate on it and remember it. I'm going to give them the first of my year. You know what? The month of January, I'm, I'm going to read cover to cover one Christian book as a tithe of my year. I'm going to lock in spiritually this month. I'm going to give him January just to see. How can I give God the first of my year? Ask yourself that. How can you go hard spiritually this month as a sign to him that you're going to give him the first of your year? After that, you can give him the first of my month. You can say, I'm going to give God the first of my month. This has to do with scheduling or, or budgeting. You're being intentional. You're scheduling your prayer time in or devotion time in. You're looking at your finances. Why? Because you want to be a good steward, right? You're, you're, you're beginning a month. You can make a plan for your money for this entire month and then work as hard as you can to try and stick to the plan. That's you looking at the entire month ahead of time and scheduling and being intentional with how you use it for God's glory. I'm going to give God, I can just say the first of every month, I'm going to sit down and intentionally think through this entire month, make provisions and plan for God to be in it and for me to get all the things that I need to do. Because why? I am pursuing productivity. Not busy. I'm trying to be productive because I want God to get the glory out of my life. So after I give God the first of my year, give God the first of my month, I can give God the first of my week. You're doing it right now. You're sitting in church. Do you know why we have church on Sundays instead of Saturdays? Because technically, Saturday was the day 
that Sabbath was. It's the day that God rested. But, but the early, early church, church history decided that instead of um, coming together to celebrate the end of the week with the Lord, why don't we start our week? Why don't we begin each week together and worshiping the Lord? And so that's why we shifted to Sunday morning services. Why don't you challenge yourself? I'm showing up every Sunday. I'm going to give God the first of my week. And can we take it a step further? Don't just give God the 90 minutes that we're sitting here together. Give him the whole day. Hmm? Why don't you make it a Sabbath? So you go out with your family or, or, all, or the whole family go home and take a nap. I don't care what it is. It was set up to rest. And ain't nothing like a good after church nap. The point is, make the entire day a Sabbath, and Sabbath means to rest. So whether that's y'all all going out to do something together, or y'all going home to chill together, make it something that has intention, because the goal is to rest, <coughs> recharge, and to worship. So give God your Sundays. It's biblical. Like, don't go home and be random. Like, don't go home and not allow it to be, like, don't let your Sabbath end when you exit the sanctuary. Give him the entire day. And the last one is, after I give him the first of my year, the first of my month, the first of my week, I can give him the first of my day. I can give God the first of my day. Every 24 hours that we get is a gift. Hello. Every 24 hours that we get is a gift. So we have to decide that we're going to make the most of it. And one of the best things we can do for ourselves is to give God the first of our day. Let's keep it simple, though. Let's not get deep. Okay? I'm going to teach you a strategy called uh, the first 15. The first 15. Simple. This is doable. This is doable. The first 15 is a strategy that you can use to give God the first of every single day. It's real simple. I'm going to spend five minutes in the Word. I'm going to spend five minutes in the Word. Whether that's a few verses that I read a few times, maybe a devotional on, on the Bible app or a devotional that I get off Amazon, but I'm going to give five minutes, the first Five minutes. I'm not going to roll out of bed and check social media. I'm not going to roll out of bed and check my text messages. I'm not going to roll out of bed and check my emails. I'm going to give God the first 15 of the day. I'm going to spend five minutes in the Word. Then I'm going to spend five minutes in worship. That's one song. Come on. Unless it's Maverick City, that might be seven, eight, nine. You know, they be singing. They be like, I mean, they. Well, I'm going to sing one song in worship. I'm going to lock in. I'm going to sing this one song back to God in worship. So I'm going to give him five minutes in the word. I'm going to give five minutes in worship, and then I'm going to give five minutes of prayer. I can, I can pray to God for five minutes and just thank him for this day. 
and ask him to be in the midst of my day and ask him to lead me during this day and ask him to make me more like him today. Five, five, and five, but first 15, I can, you can do this. Why? 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 Why would we give God the first? Um, because when we give God the first, we then position ourselves to be able to expect God to bless the rest. Mm-hmm. Why, do we give, why do we return our 10% times in expectation that he's going to bless the other 90% of our money? And this is the case with everything. He calls us to give him a tithe of everything, and that positions us to be in expectation that he will bless the rest. How do I know that? It's in the Bible, Proverbs 3, 6 through 10. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Hello. Instead, here it is again, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Here's why we can expect him to bless the rest. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part, the best part is the first part, of everything you produce. Then, here's that expectation again, he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. When we decide to be intentional with the first, God is intentional with blessing the rest. When we decide you can have this, this is our first, this is our best, this is our choice offering, God responds, we just saw that in the word, with multiplying everything else. Whatever God touches grows. So we give him the 10% so he can touch the 90% because that 90% is going to grow. It's going to multiply. It's going to become better. It's going to become stronger. It's going to become greater. It's going to become more impactful. But it starts with what we do first. Can we stand? Make it, in your, make it up in your mind today. We talked about it theologically. We talked about it practically. So you've been given the why and you've been given the how to. Give God your first. You are not in line for God to touch anything if you don't honor his standard. So habit number one is you have to pay attention to what you do first. Can you give God the first of your year? Can you give God the first of your month? Can you give God the first of your week? Can you give God the first of your day? I don't think he's asking a lot. He's not asking for you to become a monk and dedicate everything back to him. He's he's asking you for the first parts. Come on, on January 1st, can you make up in your heart that I'm going to give God the first parts? I'm going to take this first habit 
and I'm going to execute it. It's the least I can do. It's a small thing. It really is a small thing. And he has promised you that when you honor him in this way, he will respond in ways that will blow your mind. So why do we do this? Because, because, because we want God to get the glory out of our lives. We don't do this so we can look a certain way to certain people. We don't do this so we can feel better about ourselves. Or We don't do this so people can say, hey, look at her or look at him. We do this so God can be magnified. So people can see him through us. You need him in the midst of everything you do, in the midst of everything that you desire to do. You need his help. What you don't need to do is continue to try to operate in your own strength. Look what that has gotten you this far. Think about how much you tried to do on your own and what the results have been. Why don't we try something different? Come on, we in a brand new year. Why don't we try something different? Why don't we instead welcome him in and give him the first priority seat? Not just try to fit him in, but why don't we put him at the top? Why don't we decide Lord, you're number one. We have to decide within our hearts that that's the best thing that we can do for ourselves. I know a lot of you have a lot of things you're trying to figure out, a lot of transitions and a lot of answers or questions that, that seem to have multiple answers and you're not sure which one to take. Maybe some clarity will come when you decide to put God first. Maybe you're confused because there's mixture in your priority list. And so you're not able to hear or distinguish his voice from other voices. With all hearts and minds clear and heads bowed, I would be remiss if I didn't present the opportunity for that one person in the room, there's a couple of people in the room <laughs> where God isn't even on the priority list at all. Come on, we can be honest in church. Everybody isn't perfect. Matter of fact, let's make it plain. None of us are. But for some, God's not a priority because God's not involved in your life in the way that you know that he should be. Maybe you've never given your life to the Lord. That could be you and you standing here today. I want you to know that you're welcome here. We're glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Or there may be some of you who once had God in his proper place in your life, but life circumstances happened and he's not, he's not, he's not a priority no more. He's not. You can be honest and say he's not. I just haven't made him. I used to be on it and I'm not anymore. Well, here's the thing. He's available right now. He hasn't changed his mind about you. He loves you. How do I know that? Because he died for you. He already did it. 
He knew you. He knew everything you would do. And he decided to get on that cross anyway. So God says this, man, in his word. He says that if you believe in your heart and, and, and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. So if you find yourself in either of those scenarios, either you need to give your life to the Lord for the first time or you need to come back to him because you've been not making him a priority. When I count to three, all I need you to do is raise your hand. I'm not going to have you come down or do any cartwheels or anything like that. We're just going to ask you to raise your hand and let heaven know that you want God and his proper priority number one seat. So on the count of three, if that's you, raise your hand. One, two, three. I see you. 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 And I see you. Yes, I see you. You can put those hands down. So again, the Bible makes it simple. People make it hard, but the Bible makes it simple. If you want God to come into your life, come into your heart, be the number one, take priority, take control, two-part equation. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. So you've demonstrated a belief in your heart by raising your hand. So now here comes the other part of the equation is to confess with your mouth. So I'm going to pray a prayer and you're going to repeat those parts of the prayer out loud. That's you confessing with your mouth. But the good news is here at All Nations of War, nobody prays alone. So we're all going to pray this prayer with you because we all want God's best for you. Are you ready? So say this, Lord Jesus. I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And I recognize that Jesus is the only begotten son of God. And Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life and surrendered his life on the cross for me. And I also believe that on the third day, God resurrected Jesus out of his grave for me. Lord, come into my heart, take control of my life, and be the Lord over my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, come on, all nations. What do we do? Come on. You just made the most important decision you will ever make. And we celebrate and salute every one of you that made that decision. But you got to understand that that's only the beginning of the journey. That's not the end. You've made a decision. Now you have to strive to live the life. Guess what? We're all striving to live the life. So how do you do that? You got to get in this word. How are you going to know about him if you don't learn about him? How do you learn about him? He wrote a whole book called the Bible to help you learn more about him. How does he want you to live? Who is he? What did he do? What is he about? Second thing is you need to pray. Talk to him. If you are in a relationship here on this earth with another person and you stop talking to that person, that relationship will fall apart. Your relationship with God is no different. He expects and he wants and he loves to communicate with you through prayer. And the third thing is you need to plug into community. You can't do this alone. The devil will lie to you and make you think you can and you can't. We all need each other. So if it's not this one, plug into a local church. 
For some of you, God has told you that this is your church and we try to make it as easy as possible. If God has told you that all nations Aurora is your church, we would love to be your church. My wife and I would love to be your pastors. You can either fill out the card over at the start here table, fill out your information and say, I want to be a member, or you can do that. Go to allnationsaurora.com slash join, scan the QR code, um, text in, however you gotta do it. This is your home. Come on home, stop playing, it's January 1st, let's go. It's go time. It's go time, all right? So we're on a journey. This is the year of cultivation. You got one habit, I gave you one. Make it happen this week. Make it happen this week. Don't just say, that was, that was cool. That's a nice little mess, little talk, little TED talk. <laughs> but let, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's focus on what we do with our first. Let's be intentional with what we do with our first. Let's give it back to God because he's so much better at handling it than we are. Our lives will be changed when we line up our lives with the standard of his scripture. Amen? Y'all gonna give it a try? Come on, we're gonna execute these uphill habits because we want God to get the glory out of our lives. Welcome to 2023. Welcome to the year, the year of cultivation. We're all gonna get better as a result of leaning in to these uphill habits. All right, it's the year of cultivation. Let's lock in, let's pray it through, and let's execute, let's pray our way out. Father, we thank you that you've come and you've spoken to us about this year, about this month, about this week, about this day. Father, we give it all to you because you're so much better at handling it than us. As we endeavor to walk out what you taught us today, we need your help because we want you to get the glory out of our lives. So Father, help us to do this work. Help us to do our part so that you can make us into your image and your likeness and into the man or the woman that you sent us to this earth to become. We want you to have the glory and we want, we want to be just a small part of what you've decided to do in this earth. We surrender all to you. We thank you for what you have done and what you are doing and what's to come in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yo, give somebody a fist bump, an elbow, something. Tell them I'm glad you're here. Happy New Year. Welcome to the year of cultivation, something. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.